Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, I'll never forget uh, one Sunday morning standing out there in the lobby after church and this couple approached me. They were really excited because they had just heard God and they wanted to tell me their encounter, their story of this. And so they told me that they were out shopping for a brand new used car. And so they went from car lot to car lot just trying to figure out what car they should buy, you know, what is this, the lemon What's the one that's going to last forever, you know? They, they just couldn't seem to figure it out. And so at one particular car lot, they just stopped everything and they prayed. And they asked the Lord to, to just give us a sign so we'll know what car we're supposed to buy. Well, after they prayed, the, the salesman came up to them and suggested that they would like take out this car that had just come in on trade And when they asked what kind of car it was, suddenly that was the sign that they were looking for. Because as he said, the make and model, that was the same make and model that the wife's father used to drive. And they realized in that moment for them, they didn't even need to test drive it. That was the sign. They bought the car. They drove it off the lot. They were excited about that. And I asked, well, is that how God speaks? Well, God speaks through signs. He speaks in any way he wants to speak. But I've never forgotten that day because it caused me to question, like, so how do I hear God? And what does the Bible say about how we hear God? Because I think we all want to hear God. And so in light of that, we're going to dive into this today because the reality is there are, today we're going to focus on more testable ways maybe to hear God, reliable biblical ways to hear God. And I think in our confusing world, a world filled with so many voices, I think we all want to hear him. And so let's, let's take a look at this. And before we do, I want you to think about this statement and how it applies to you. How I view God affects how I listen for God. How I view God affects how I listen for God. So for example, if I view God as distant and uncaring, then I'm not really going to anticipate hearing much of anything from him. Or if I view God like he's a vending machine up there in the sky, then I'm going to think all I need to do is press the right button and I'm going to get the answer that I want. Or if I view God as loving and wise, then I'm going to anticipate hearing from him in a variety of loving ways that will be good for me, knowing that what is good for me may not be consistent with what I want. So how do you view God? How I view God impacts how I listen for him. And I think when it comes to one primary way of how we hear him, we're going to start there today because it relates to all the others that follow, that God speaks to us through Scripture. God speaks to us through Scripture. I love how the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that, here's the outcome, the servant of God, you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word guides. God's word guides. And I think at some level, many of us know this to be true, but operationally, we often live like it's not really. 
Because rather than open up the pages of scripture whenever we're trying to make a decision or trying to you know, move in the right direction, we often rely upon our own judgment. And as things become maybe more and more unclear, we suddenly then become like that quarterback at the end of the game, the team's seven points behind, and he throws out that Hail Mary pass. And we tend to operate like this by throwing up some kind of desperate prayer as we look for any kind of confirmation we can find. Friends, rather we should live as a psalmist lived. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Oh, it may be dark out there. It may be confusing out there. It might be rocky out there. The way might be rough. But your word illuminates it all and it's gonna help me to know where to go, where I should step, how fast I should walk. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Now, it's often at this point that in the sermon, I know how this works because it's often at this point someone here or maybe online is already thinking about what they're going to tell me out in the atrium afterwards, right? They're, they're saying, okay, Phil, the Bible is great. I love the Bible. I read the Bible, but it doesn't really provide any help when someone is trying to buy a good used car. My first response would be, is there any such thing as a good used car? I might start there. I've had a couple, so I guess that there is. But I would say this, there are some really good directives given to us in scripture that we really need to abide by. That's gonna help us walk in a better way. And what I'm talking about also applies to other kind of decisions that we're gonna make. Like, should I work from home? Or, or where can I find the best daycare for my child? Or where should I go to college? You know, is this the friend I should pursue? Is this the right time for me to pursue a new career? Or is this the person that I should marry? You see, whenever we're confused about what we should do next, rather than throw up a desperate prayer or look for any kind of confirmation we can find or even take that next step into uncertainty, how about contemplating this? Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Who is God positioned in your life? I'm gonna focus more on this in just a few moments, but for now, let's not miss the lesson at hand. For example, when we're buying a good used car, well, the best counselor to consult may not be that used car salesman. And no, I don't mean to offend the used car salesman out there, but they may not be your best counselor. I think the best counselors to consult would be the people that God has already positioned in your life. Are you looking to them, taking counsel from them? Because if they don't have a good answer for you, maybe they can lead you to someone who will. Because here's the thing, we're often pushed in our own mind into making some kind of decision, like we gotta do that right now. And unless it's some kind of emergency, how about praying about it? Taking some time to consult others before you act. After all, the Bible says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Friends, these verses, they apply not only to just you know, buying a used car, it applies to all the practical decisions that we make. In fact, so too does the general counsel of Scripture. For example, the Bible says we should not forsake wisdom. And one way we forsake wisdom is when we move too fast. We just kind of move forward because we just got to make that decision or we want to make that decision or we've already decided what decision we want. We forsake wisdom. We should not forsake wisdom. And if we aren't sure if we have wisdom, the Bible's really clear. We're to ask for wisdom. God, give me your wisdom. Friends, there's so much more to all of this, and you're going to dive into this uh, in your rooted groups this week. But as you do that, I also want to throw up a few caution flags. 
and really talk about the reality of things because I often, I'm often approached by people that try to spiritualize their way into what they're actually wanting rather than kind of listening to what the Bible already says. For example, a scripture, it already speaks clearly to what you're praying about. Well, then maybe stop praying about that and just obey what's right there on the page in front of you. For example, I've had so many people come to my office over the past like eight years almost now, right? And they'll say, you know what, I've been married for 25 years. You know, it's like many marriages, you're like some good moments, some not so good moments, but you know, overall it's been pretty good. But over the last five years, there hasn't been a lot of passion between us. So I've been praying to God about what he wants me to do. Because after all, there's somebody at work, and I believe God's put them there, that I think is a much better fit for me now at this phase in my life. Can't tell you how many times I've received this kind of message from somebody. And I'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm glad you're praying, but you need to stop praying in this way because God's word is already clear. Be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. Maybe you need to pray to be faithful to what God's word says. You don't need to pray about if she should stay with her or go with someone else. Or someone will say, you know what, Phil, I kept my word here to somebody, a really good friend. And you know what, I, I know they need my help, but now, you know, time passes. I'm really, really busy right now. And, and so I'm just praying to God about what he wants me to do. I mean, should I actually keep it? Well, you don't need to keep praying for God to help you decipher if your yes can somehow be morphed into a No. Because Jesus already said all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So if we break our word, we can't say, oh, God told me to do this. No, God's very clear. Unless this is like something morally wrong for you to keep your word in, I mean, you're to keep your word. We're to be known as people of our word. So bottom line, God speaks to us through scripture. And as he does that, friends, how I view God affects how I listen for God. So how do you view God? And if I view God as loving, then I'm going to anticipate hearing from him in a variety of loving ways that will be good for me. And friends, this holds especially true when God speaks to us through difficulties. Difficulties. Man, when I was in high school, junior high, right, I, I thought I knew some things about difficulties, and we did. I mean, we grew up in a very tough setting growing up and, and all that, but as life moves on, you realize that there's a lot of them. There are a lot of difficulties that we face, and God speaks through them. C.S. Lewis says it this way, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So think about this. Whenever you encounter pain in your life, it's an opportunity to hear what God is saying through that pain. For example, last weekend, if you were not able to be here or watch that message, I encourage you to go back because there's a girl named Rebecca, young woman named Rebecca. We told her story of incredible pain. And I'll tell you what, God has been speaking through her life ever since, and it's powerful. There's all kinds of stories out there. So whatever hardship comes our way, either due to our own choices or due to some other means, we gotta remember that God is speaking and God is teaching. He's teaching us through it. As the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Lord, it's difficult, but teach me. I wanna hear from you. 
Paul said it this way, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Now, through the years, a lot of people have talked about what that thorn represented. I don't, there's a lot of different opinions, but the result really is this. That thorn, whatever it was, whatever that difficulty was, it was teaching Paul something, and it's called one word, humility. It's why he ends his words about the thorn this way. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're going to talk more about suffering next weekend, and I encourage you to come back to learn more. But remember, God speaks to us through these difficulties. This is the truth. The only questions really are, will we learn from him in the midst of our suffering and if so, what will we do with what we've learned? I've told you before, and I'm not going to go into the depths of the story, but it was like four or five years ago, I was really sick. And I went to the doctor, you know, expecting like maybe I had the flu or something. And after running a barrage of tests on me, the doctor came back and said, you're going to need a liver transplant. And I got to tell you what, you know what? I love the Lord. That rocked my world. It rocked my world. A liver transplant? And so for the next month, as I'm waiting for the next steps, I mean, I'm looking at life completely differently. I'm looking at my family differently. I'm looking at the church differently. I'm thinking, you know, how long am I going to be here? I mean, even those who get a liver transplant, it's not, it doesn't really all the time last all that long. I mean, it rocked my world. A month later, I went back to the doctor. They wanted to do more tests before they moved on to the next steps. And you know what? They came back and they said, you know what? All the previous tests were valid. But I just got to tell you, it's all gone. You, you're healed. There's nothing more we can do for you. And I remember walking out the door really thankful to God. Like I was on cloud nine. Like, God, thank you. And then the next morning I woke up and I said, God, what in the world was all that about? Like, really? Did I really need a month where I'm worried about my life, worried about my family, worried about my future? God, what was that all about? Thank you for the healing, but come on, I need more clarity here. And after some time of quietness, all I heard was, trust me. Trust me. Do you trust God? Do you? See, trusting God is often a matter of prayer as we speak to him honestly while we're listening for what he has to say to us. And whenever you reach that point when you're honestly speaking to God, remember a couple things. First of all, God can handle your emotions. God created you with your emotions, so he's not surprised when you show them. So don't be afraid to show your emotions. And secondly, God has big shoulders. He's not going to be surprised by your wrestling words. And God's got this. There's no problem too big that our God cannot solve it in his way and in his time. Friends, we're going to dive more into this next weekend. But for now, remember, God speaks to us through scripture, through difficulties, and then through one of my favorite ways of all. God speaks to us through others. Who are the others that God has positioned in your life? Are you listening to them? You see, this is a theme we see in the rise of the first century church, right? I mean, the church is gaining ground. 
It's spreading like wildfire. The church is growing like crazy. And there's this guy named Saul who's trying to stop the movement. He's trying to shut it down. In fact, his whole pursuit is to find Christians, hunt them down, imprison them, or kill them. And we read this encounter in Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that means the Jesus way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? Why do you persecute me? Now, when you think about that, think about his plans. Think about your plans. You ever had your perfect plans destroyed? This was that moment for Saul because Saul was hunting people down who had followed Jesus, and now Jesus was hunting Saul down. And as a result, we see here that he's not only blind in this moment, he's really confused. And so he asks, who are you, Lord? Well, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And so while Saul now is on his way to Damascus with the help of some friends, because he can't see, because he's blind, God is now busy calling another man named Ananias, a Christian man, to go to Saul and to help him. Now, you got to remember now, Ananias knows all about Saul, all about his reputation, and Ananias does not want to be taken or to be killed, so he's not all that excited to follow through. And yet still he goes. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So God spoke to Saul through this man named Ananias, because God speaks through others. Who are the others that God has placed in your life? Because this lesson wasn't over for Saul. In fact, there was more. Because if you read this encounter, Saul then goes out, he starts preaching the name of Jesus, he starts preaching the gospel, and yet many Christians who hear him do not believe him, they think it's a sham, and so they actually devise a plan to do him in. And Saul learns about this, and so he makes his escape to Jerusalem, and yet things don't go well for him there either. And in Acts 9, 26, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And if you're a disciple, who, you can't blame them, really, right? Because what better strategy than to pretend to be a follower of Christ, to get to know the followers of Christ in order to do in the followers of Christ? So they didn't want in. And yet, just like God had spoken through Ananias, God would now use another a man named Barnabas. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. I want you to think about this because Barnabas had just recently met Saul. And yet here in this moment, faced with all of his friends, he sticks up for Saul like he'd been a lifelong friend. It's like he stands before the group and says, you know what, I believe this guy. I'm going to vouch for him. I believe he's encountered Jesus. I believe he's called to proclaim the gospel. So you need to accept him. You need to love him. You need to embrace him. 
God speaks through others. And that's why Saul, who eventually became the apostle Paul, never forgot the lesson. In fact, he began to really minister with Barnabas, this man that God had used. And that takes us to Acts 13. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And Christianity was on the move, and God used both of them in this partnership together to change the lives of thousands of people. And even though that's the case, not a lot of time passes before they reach this disagreement with each other. This great argument they have with each other over this guy, this young man named Mark. Mark had been unfaithful to his word, and so Paul didn't want anything to do with him. And Barnabas saw huge potential in this guy. And they could not reach the terms, so they parted ways. And in Acts 15, it says, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So think about this. For the next couple of years now, Barnabas, the man that God had used to speak to Paul, now becomes the man that Paul doesn't really want to hear from at all. How about you? Have you closed your ears to another Christian in your life that has spoken words that you needed to hear? And you just kind of shut them down, kind of moved on. In our culture today, right now, it's like people are looking for an opportunity to be offended. They're on the lookout. People are all over the, all over the place. I don't care where you fall on this. People are offended. There's, there's breaks in relationship, all kinds of opinions being thrown out there. And I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, if we're not humble, the very words that another person, that God has sent to us, speaks to us, we want to shut them down and we're going to move on. I say this because what we see in the text is that Paul eventually comes to see where Barnabas was coming from. God had been speaking through Barnabas all along, and we see this because of what Paul wrote later. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark, this man that, that Paul once had no use for, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. Paul says, Mark is now essential. This man that I once discounted, you're right. God's on the move in his life. You see, God speaks through others. So who are the people that God has positioned in your life? It was some years ago before I came here. And, uh, and I've shared this with others and encouraged them to do the same. And students, I encourage you to like, think about this. Because we all reach that point where we're at a crossroads. Like we're really unsure. Is, is this the best way to go? Or is this the best way to go? Sometimes it's not like one is really a bad choice. Sometimes we have two good choices in front of us. We're not sure what to do next. And so what I did, I said, Lord, okay, who have you positioned in my life that I trust? And I went to four different individuals. They didn't even know that I went to them separately from one another. And I asked them, okay, here are my two options. I could go left or I could go right. Will you think about this and pray about this? And then get back to me what you believe is the best next step for me. Well, one after the other, days have passed, weeks have passed. I heard from them all. 
And they all said exactly the same thing. So I went that way. God speaks through others. What difficult decision are you trying to make? You trying to make it alone? You trying to make it even apart from God in some way? Remember, God has positioned wonderful people in your life. Humble yourself. Listen to what God will do in and through them. Don't make an impact. So God speaks through scripture, through difficulties, through others, and all the while God speaks to us by his spirit. In fact, the Bible's really clear that God has been speaking to us by his spirit even before we came to Christ. In fact, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And that's why when I have someone in my life that I really want to come to the Lord, or somebody who's walked away from the Lord, my prayer is always this, Father, call them, draw them to yourself. Speak to them in ways that only you can. Lord, it's your work. See, every relationship with God comes about through him calling, him drawing, and pursuing. And that means sometimes people still will not respond, and other times people will. And for those who respond to the call of the Lord, God's Spirit continues his work in their lives. In fact, Paul says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink on one spirit. What does that mean? It means that the very spirit who calls us and draws us to Jesus installs us then into God's family after we've confessed and believed. So every child of God becomes part of the family of God. And even so, even more work is needed in our lives to take us from that infant state with Christ to one where we are rooted deeply in Christ. That's why Jesus said this. Listen to what he said. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, key word, remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us and constantly reminds us of what Jesus has already said. And that brings us back full circle to where we started. Because to be reminded of what Jesus said requires that we first know what Jesus said, which requires that we first read what Jesus said by really embracing God's word. And we do so not in a rush, like when we try to fit in a verse between like, you know, you know brushing our teeth and combing our hair. We are reminded of what Jesus has said and how we can walk obediently in those words. When we quiet ourselves. When we stop all the craziness, set all the expectations aside, sometimes placed on us by others, many times placed on ourselves, and we just stop all, all of it and we just read God's word. We humble ourselves in order to hear what he is saying to us. When is the last time you did that, really? God told us in the Old Testament, be still and know that I am God. I think many people are afraid of silence in our world today. If we're alone, we'd still have to have the TV on, or we gotta listen to the stereo, or we got something in our ears. Why don't you just unplug it all, plug into him, and be silent before him. Be still and know that I am God. Because silence is anything but passive waiting. You see, it's honestly coming before God in order to hear him. So think about it. If you were to do that, just stop it all and just get quiet before God. 
what words might he hear from you? And what words might you hear from him? That honest conversation that needs to be spoken from your heart to his and his heart to yours. That comes about when we are still before him and we listen to him. Perhaps your conversation might sound a little bit like this. Take a look at the words on the side screen. Tried and tried, and I 
See, the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, have I stopped everything? Have I quieted myself before him? Have I humbled my heart enough to hear him? One Psalm says it this way, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Take that in. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So what would it look like for you as you begin each morning? Just say a simple prayer. Say, God, help me to be humble in my actions. Help me to be humble in my thoughts. Help me to be humble in my words. And Lord, if I'm going to hear you, help me to be humble in my hearing. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. May we live humbly, friends. Not moving forward in our own plans with what we want, but humbly being honest with God, humbly hearing from God. Because whenever God speaks, we will humbly hear then and obey him. I want you to imagine the blessings you would experience in your life when that occurs. God loves you. He's speaking to you all the time. Pause and listen. And remember, he uses others. And so after the service is over, if you would like prayer for anything at all, I encourage you to come forward. We have prayer partners up front after the service that would love to pray with you. For now, in a spirit of humility, may we all stand in this room before we go. And I want you to think about these things. That God has called you by name. You are his. You are part of the family of God. He's filled you with life and he's filled you with purpose. His love surrounds you. And remember all the while that God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. So wherever you go, may God's word guide you. And as he guides you, may you go in his peace and in his love. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.